0: Exodus 2, and we're going to start reading at verse 23. It says, now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jephro, his father in law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Verse 3 Then Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight while the bush does not burn in june of this past year i was approached by uh kind of like the second in command for destiny image who published our first book he came to me in june about the second week of june and he said sean we know that you're going to be at a conference next august august 2011. he says if you could have a manuscript for me by december 15th we will have a book for you to hold up uh on Jan- of august of 2011. so then he proceeded in the conversation and said you have any ideas on what you would write your book about? I don't know if you've ever been in this position where you're asked something that you haven't really given a lot of prior thought to, but the Lord prophesies spontaneously out of your mouth. You just say something. And sometimes we're most prophetic when we haven't given it thought because it's in that moment where we receive divine downloads sometimes we release our mind on things when we shouldn't be living by calculation but by revelation because when you live by calculation you get oftentimes on the wrong end of figuring things out but when you live by revelation you're truly the head and not the tail so i found this just jumping out of my mouth i said i will write a book on revival now i need you to look at me i need to tell you something no i just heard that there was a, a a person who died this past week I was at the workout club and I saw it, 116 years of age. Unless you're 112, 13, 14 years of age, you have not seen a sweeping revival in the United States of America. We've had outpourings, we've had awakenings, we've had stirrings, but I'm a real purist when it comes to the word revival. And revival is a very precious thing. And the best way I could describe it is this way. In wrestling, and I didn't didn't wrestle growing up outside of like, you know, maybe we'd goof around in the hood, but I never, you know, wrestled like in high school and stuff. But when two people are wrestling, when you've got a person pinned down, where that last shoulder touches the ground, my understanding is that there's a three count, and the match could be awarded now to the person that pinned the other one down. If you were to look throughout history, there are seasons when the church Christianity... Man, the word of God appears to be all but pinned to the ground. Seems like darkness, seems like oppression, anti-Christ sentiment. It seems like the haters of God, our voices are prevailing. But imagine if there was this miraculous flip move where all of a sudden the person who's all but pinned to the ground could somehow... Receive something and turn around and flip the other person and they're now being tapped out Even though it looked like you were gonna be tapping out That reversal surprise flip move is in history called revival Revival's not hype. I'm a hyper, but this is not hype. How many of you understand that? Revival is not something men can schedule In fact, I believe that many times when we try to schedule it 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 escapes us because it's not about us uh, scheduling it. It's about us positioning ourselves for what the Father's already determined he's going to do. And for the record, God is determining at CWC, at Manteca in the greater valley here, that he is going to pour out his spirit. So I'm starting to write this book. And my wife gave me uh, just ample space to write this book. I didn't know if I could complete this thing. I thought I was writing a book because in 2011, I'm going to uh, get an opportunity to be at a conference at the Allstate Arena where uh, the capacity is 18,500 people. I believe they'll pack it out because my heroes are speaking uh, Reinhard Bonnke, Cindy Jacobs, Lou Engel, Bill Johnson. And how I made that list, I do not know. I just thank God that they included a brother. They probably needed a brother, you know what I'm saying? They just, you know, <laughs> we need a brother on the list. Let's, you know. so. I I, I recognize that by finishing this manuscript, I'll be able to hold up a book in front of 18,500 people. And believe it or not, it's not about marketing, it's not about merchandising. It's about the broken heart of God. Because this is what is about to happen, and I want to talk about what I call breakthrough moments. In 2011, the, the, the population of this globe is about to eclipse 7 billion people. Very shortly, they tell us that there will be more Christians on the planet... Than uh, awake, you know, alive, than asleep. In other words, Christians who have died. There'll be more Christians on the planet in this year than of all the Christians who have ever lived and died up to this point. That is a reason to shout. That is. Statistics are validated, and I think these are low numbers. They say one million people a week are giving their life to Jesus Christ in the nations of the world. They say that as we eclipse 7 billion people, that there will not only be more Christians on the planet, but you got to understand, there are more people in the Valley of Decision. There are more people that have not made a decision for Jesus Christ, that barring an intervention of God, that they would split hell wide open. There'd be more people standing in this generation to go into a Christless eternity than all the people that have checked out of this life not knowing Jesus Christ up to date. So the point I'm making is this. This is a very crucial year. There's no way that God whose heart breaks for the harvest and he breaks, his heart breaks from Antigua's heart breaks for the greater area. There's no way God is going to sit back and allow a multitude to slip into eternity without, I believe, an epic witness of signs and wonders of the power and the demonstration of God. There's no way, if you know the love of God, that he's going to allow that to happen. So I'm writing this book. I've studied, you know, in this, I I sent off books from Australia, books from the UK. I spent more than enough money uh, investing in rare revival books. And Bishop and I had a conversation. As I was reading this, I thought I was writing this book for a generation. I've talked to enough of the younger generation that didn't know about certain revivals. And see, if the devil can, he'll keep you ignorant of what God has done before because you have no expectancy that God would do it again. You will think, if you don't know what your history is, you will think it's never been this dark before, it's never been this bad before, there's never been this kind of animosity towards Jesus Christ, and you would be absolutely incorrect because there have been many times in this nation where in this nation, let alone nations of the world, where there has been equal levels of darkness, but God has poured out His Spirit. Now, here's what people say to you. They say, Sean, revival is not going to come to America because we're too evil. We've aborted babies to the tune of 51 million. We uh, abuse our children. We have people that are sticking their their proverbial thumb in the nose of God over and over and over. And this is what my response is to them. They're saying america deserves judgment now you got to hear this whole thing i don't disagree with them america does deserve judgment but there's a difference between judgment deserved and judgment designated we serve a god that chose to lead with mercy and if he didn't none of us would be here today we wouldn't be saved we wouldn't be off whatever drug we would be wherever we was before when god pulled us out you'd be at the club doing this right Instead of the house of God doing this, you know what I'm saying? We receive mercy and that's why we look. Isn't it funny how people that say I don't believe in revival are people that are usually religious and already got their ticket. How convenient is it for you not to believe in revival now that you're in the kingdom while there's a person across the street dying in oppression and misery and and whatever else is going on in their life. So here is what I want to say to you. You need, I need to get ready for the greatest outpouring of the Spirit because of really two two quick reasons, and then we're gonna look at this burning bush and it's gonna be exciting, I believe. Jesus let us know two very, very strong things. Number one, I already shared it with you, so it saved time. Matthew 24, he says, The gospel of the kingdom will be preached into the whole world, then the end shall come. This gospel of the kingdom doesn't mean a gospel track is gonna be dropped off in Timbuktu. It means that there is going to be a presentation of Christ and his awesomeness and his unmatched supremacy followed by signs and wonders. What is revival? Acts chapter 9, Apostle Paul, right? Apostle Paul is Saul of Tarsus. He's killing Christians. He's having them for breakfast. He's traveling on the way to Damascus to kill more Christians. Do you think this guy seemed like he would get saved? Does he strike you as a person that would give his life to the Lord and become a revivalist and write over half the New Testament? I love this. When people say that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, not in Acts chapter 9, he wasn't. Knocks a man off his horse and blinds him for three days. That don't sound like a gentleman to me. That sounds like the holy God, not the God that somebody partied all night, been at the strip club trying to thank God in the end zone. You know what I'm saying? That's the mush God. I'm talking about the God that shows up and all of heaven breaks out in a moment. That's what I'm talking about. Apostle Paul, what happened and this is what revival is. The presence of God gets so strong that in the midst of your encounter, you're transformed from the inside out. Apostle Paul thinks he's going to kill Christians. He don't know that he's about to be the greatest proponent for Christianity, the advocate for Christianity. The Spirit of God comes, knocks him off his horse. The guy gets up defending all he hated, hated all he defended, and goes after and walks in cities and there's revivals and there are breakouts all over. So here's what I say to you. What if God chose to up, roll up his sleeves and release that concentration of presence over CWC Manteca? See, here's our thing. We, we think because revival is an acceleration in the purposes of God. We're we're used to kind of taking steps and seeing this slow progression. But all of a sudden, in revival, God raises your trajectory of expectation. And when he raised remember when you first got saved, how you believed that everybody would get saved? If you witnessed to him, er- if you got saved in the church and believed in the healing, everybody you pray for would get healed. Remember when you believed like that? You believe that God was truly God over all, that God could work through your past, work through your present, work for your future that whatever you've been through is not greater than what God can do in you. Come on, remember when you believe that? What happens is, and this is not church, this is our, our failing to make continual connection with God, but we sit in church, and over a period of years, we first get saved, our trajectory is high. But after a while, we've been disappointed, we've been, had setbacks, come on, old issues creep back up, isn't that Right? We, we were God, we'd have done it differently. That brother over there took money from me and he's looking funny at my wife. Come on, somebody. You know, all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, we lower our trajectory and we check out of this life with a lower trajectory than when we checked in. And this is what I submit to you. Revival first comes. See, revival needs real estate. And the first piece of real estate that God is looking for is in the left center cavity of your chest. God first brings revival in the heart of his people. And when his people receive it, it bumps up their trajectory. Come on, somebody just do like this right now with a brother. Come on, do like this. It bumps up your trajectory. Exodus 2. Moses, to Moses isn't going to be any other normal day. He spent his first 40 years being raised as a prince in Egypt. You know the story, I mean, back in the day, how many of you remember before DVDs, Blu-rays, you just had to wait till Easter time or whenever it was to see, man, Charleston Heston in the Ten Commandments. How many of you remember that? I grew up in inner city, Oakland. I thought Charleston Heston was Moses. Come on now. I thought he was Moses. You ever had something turn out differently than you thought it would turn out? I grew up in Oakland, I remember there were some kids that I went to school with and they had skateboards. And uh, I, I, my grandma and my mom, my grandma, we was living off her social security money. My mom was like the old school operator, you know, when you had to pull out the thing and put her shit back in. So she wasn't making a lot of money. And so I, I, they weren't able to buy me a skateboard. But I wanted a skateboard, so I thought I'd get ingenuitive. <laughs> so, again, the thought is, you ever had things turn out differently than you thought? So I lived in, in a tenement section. I lived in the intersection of an alleyway and underneath a freeway and many times people would throw their junk over on the side of our apartments, right? So I found somebody had thrown away some old skates. Remember the old kind of skates that you screw up? You, you had your shoe, you put your shoe, and you screw... Oh, come on, I got some help up in here. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all in the front row, y'all too young, all right? You know, you gotta... This is, this is before we, you know what I'm saying? We, we was, you know, Chenene, Bobby, and me. That was we back in the day, you know what I'm saying? But y'all, y'all got, you know... You know, that's that's we today. So, you know, I, I broke off the skates, got a little help from a friend, and I put a screw through it, and I got me a 2 by 4 Y'all know where I'm going with this, right? So I thought, man, I'm going to trick out my own original skateboard. It's going to be the bomb. I'm going to drive down hills. People going to look at me jealous. I'll probably make money off this. People will want me to make 2 by 4 skateboards for them. Come on, ghetto get skateboards, right? And, and I'll, be, I'll be like a major CEO one day. They'll put me in Black Enterprise magazine. I'll be the man, you know what I'm saying? So I made one, and I was pretty proud on how it came out, so I made another. So I thought everybody else skates on one skateboard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ski skateboard, right? I'm going to put a two-by-four in a skate on each leg, and I'm going to come down the hill, and I'm just going to be, you know how you envision stuff in your mind, and you think you know how it's going to turn out? So I had to uh, do saw it off, break it off. Uh, truth be told, I don't even know if it was a 2 by 4 I, I couldn't tell you, every piece of wood was a 2 by 4 to me, you know. I heard a dude say, man, go get you a 2 by 4 And I'm like, I don't know what a 2 by 4 is, a piece of wood, okay. So I get on the hill, and, and I should have probably had a trial running of this, you know. This is like a little clue. So I get on this thing, right? And I'm getting on both the 2 by 4s with the skates underneath. And all of a sudden, both my legs went opposite directions. I fall on the ground hard. I'm coming back crying to my grandma with a groin pull. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Moses thought his life would turn out different. Moses, being raised 40 years, thinking he would be the prince of Egypt, but all of a sudden he sees a Hebrew, uh, Egyptian persecuting and, and whipping and beating a fellow Hebrew. He rose up and killed him. Pharaoh began to look for him. So this spun Moses out. He's on the backside of a desert parking lot, if you will, in Midian, working for his father-in-law, Jephro. Come on, somebody. That's not life. didn't turn out the way you think it's going to tell You're working for your father-in-law, Jephro, watching sheep, cleaning up sheep poo. You know, you know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, I think Moses thought it was going to be like any other day. See, here's the, the definition of revival. Revival is the sudden manifestation of the Spirit of God whereby people who come encounter it come in contact with it are miraculously transformed let me clean that up let me let me clean that up a little bit because i want you to write this down revival is the sudden manifestation that leads to miraculous transformation of everyone who comes in contact with it that's how you know a revival is in let me say it one more time for those either took pen and paper in hand revival is the sudden manifestation That brings miraculous transformation to all who comes in contact with it or him. Obviously, we know God is a person, but the, the, the atmosphere of it is it. Now, what does that mean? That means revivals happen suddenly. It's when you least expect it, that all of a sudden you encounter something like a burning bush, a breakthrough moment, that your life is utterly transformed from that moment. And God specializes in out-of-nowhere encounters that you least suspect it. I think Moses thought it was going to be like any other day. I thought it was going to be a very, I think he thought it was a very normal day. Sun rose, sheep grazed, right. Uh, uh, tumbleweeds rolled, it was going to be like any other day of the last 40 years. He's now 80 years of age, 40 years removed from any of his dreams becoming a reality. 40 years of dryness. You're in a desert, you're dry. You're not feeling the flow. You, you want an outpouring, you're not seeing an outpouring. All the things he had earlier had that, that literally rose in his heart, the inner yearnings of the things that he would see God do have now died. Their former dreams of a young man and he is walking along the side of a desert and all of a sudden there's this what's called an acacia bush there's a bush that's on fire so it's not just any bush because the bush that's on fire there's no smoke, there's no ashes, there's no waste right? these people that study this out, these skeptics, they try to tell you stuff like it was spontaneous combustion right? I, I, I witnessed to, you know, the university students well it's one thing to say it's spontaneous combustion but after that, the bush said, Moses, Moses, that's spontaneous conversation. Come on, that's, that, that went another level now, okay? There, weren't, there aren't two more precious words, and this is why I'm telling you, God is giving you over the past several weeks the equivalent of a burning bush moment or a breakthrough moment. When Moses was looking at that bush, he didn't know how much his life would change that burning bush represents something and here's what i what i need to tell you the burning bush was going to bring with it a new perspective a new perspective what it was is a token of divine presence new perspective that all of a sudden what god was giving moses a picture of yes god was in the bush he says i am that i am is that you i am that i am but what he was telling him is my people who have been under a lot of affliction that whatever it is the enemy has wanted to do to my people, they will thrive in the midst of fiery afflictions. I'm here to tell you that the burning bush is a reminder to you that all H-E double hockey sticks is broken out against you. Broken out against your family, your marriage, your finances. But the devil ain't going to win, pardon my English, because God has got a fire on you. Come on somebody, greater than the fire against you. You got more that are for you than those who are against you. The Bible says, if God is for me, who could be against me? The the Sean Smith paraphrase is, if God is on your side, there's nothing out there that could break down that kind of support system to understand God is for you. Come on, somebody. This thing would demonstrate that no matter how intensified the attack, no matter how bad it may look. He's saying, Moses, nevertheless, there's a power from on high that will preserve you. Because as you're looking to me and my people are looking to me, I'm hearing things they don't even know that I hear. Now, this is what I'm saying to you. We're having an Exodus 2 moment right now. Here is Exodus 2, the end of it. We read it. God said to Moses, I hear the cry of my people. Sometimes, have you ever cried out and you don't think God heard you? You you, you put something before the Lord and it don't look like you're any closer. In fact, it looks like you're further away than where you were before you started crying out. The secret to turn an impossible situation into a breakthrough moment is the phrase, a cry to God. Every single revival, every single sudden manifestation of God that miraculous brings, miraculous transformation begins because people begin to cry out to God. And I'm telling you, I'm hearing people cry out to God now like I've never heard people cry out to God. Our young people, back in the day when we first did youth ministry, you, if you wanted to get a kid to a prayer meeting, you had to promise some pizza and you better not take it over 15 minutes and only six people will show up nowadays man they will fill up stadiums and fast for 10 hours crying out to god nonstop. and as i've been at these events the majority of them are young people god is doing something y'all he is doing something come on just touch somebody say he's doing something the second thing it not only represents a token of divine presence it represents the supernatural in common life or i would call that a new possession i think sometimes we need to understand Bushes are aglow all around us if we had eyes to see. God has given us burning bush moments. They're miracles and breakthroughs that that man, God, it shows us on a daily basis. But you see, Moses turned aside to see the great sight. I think sometimes we get so caught up in our problems, our issues, our dramas, our setbacks. Come on, TNT isn't the only one that has drama. Some of us got some drama, right? I believe that there are burning bushes around you all a while that are tokens of the supernatural that god is wanting to encourage you that we need to ask god give me eyes to see because here is it revelation isn't for the unobservant if i'm not stopping and saying god what are you showing me what are you doing i can miss the move of god right underneath my nose here is a deliverer needing deliverance and i'm wondering if that isn't a picture of us sometimes everybody smile we need a smile moment I love this group. I believe Moses could have glanced at the bush and passed on, but he observed it. He stared at it. He moved towards it. How many of you understand that? And as he moved towards it, something in the bush possessed his soul. What God is wanting to do in this season is for you to have a burning bush that you would become a burning one, that a fire would burn in your heart for the things of God. Unprecedented. That you would again want to read your word. Not something you kind of, okay, I got to do this thing. So let me kind of do this and get a little 12 minutes quickie stir fry prayer life in a shower. No, 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 no. You, you can't go an hour without spending t- quality time with God. You want to press into God. The word of God is meat for your soul. It's flaming mignon for your palate or whatever you want to call it. That man, you meet with Jesus and there's nothing greater than knowing that you're meeting with Jesus. Isn't that right? Third and final of all is that the burning bush represents the ultimate makeover, eternal edition. Moses was not just looking at a bush that represented how God preserved his people, not just looking at a bush demonstrating the supernatural power of God on his natural abilities. He is now looking at what he's about to become. They tell us this bush is an ordinary bush that could be found all over the Midian parking lot desert. All over. It was tumbleweed stuff. But all of a sudden, something very ordinary, something very natural, something very normal would would get the fire of God on it, and it would attract the attention and draw Moses. He said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. I'm telling you right now, what may look like an ordinary witness is about to get the fire of God on it. It's about to become an extraordinary witness. What may look like ordinary provision is about to get the fire of God on. It's about to be extraordinary provision for God's people. Come on. What may look like an ordinary release is about to come an extraordinary release because you're about to get the fire of God on your release. Isn't that right? Mm. Why is revival so important? I'm telling you, man, let me give you a quick story and then I want to close with, with four quick thoughts that I think will really, really bless somebody there's a guy by the name of peter cartwright he's in history books because he served two terms of legislature in illinois and he was during the he was like earlier frontier revivalist it was in what's called the cambridge revival this guy was seeing outbreaks literally in the wild west i mean they should do a movie on this guy the things he would see he would carry his bible he had a gun on him too because if jokers got out of hand he'd fire stuff in the name of jesus y'all stop (laughs) It was either the authority of his voice or the Smith & Wesson in his hand, but somehow they would often listen to him, right? He went to a lodge, and at this lodge, they they had a dance there at the lodge. Now, again, dancing wasn't like this back then. It was probably more like dancing with stars. You don't know, know how that works. And a girl, he's a single guy at the time, a, a lady. She comes, and she does a little curtsy, however that works, right? And she asked him if she could dance with him. So he quickly says, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Now remember, revival is sudden manifestation. He felt like the Holy Spirit said, I want you to dance with her. So stop for a second. Back in the day, I used to go to San Francisco. There was a club called the Palladium. And I, oh, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So there was one side that if you was over 21 because they serve alcohol you could go there was another side that you could be a teenager they didn't serve alcohol you could go but because it was all called a palladium you wanted to go as a teenager not of age because you was you was getting your ducky on whatever it was you know you was you were dancing and on other side was the older people you know so can imagine you going to the palladium right let's just break it down bring it in modern context some pretty fine young hottie comes and asks you to dance right or some man, you know, whatever it is, you're over there, but you're a child of God, and you, you just, you just was coming through because, I don't know, you're, I, the analogy has breakdowns, okay? <laughs> Here is the equivalent of what Peter Cartwright did in the 1800s, and his awakening was called the Cane River Revival, and it connected to the Second Great Awakening. He prayed, God says, I'm going to seize this place. I'm going to seize the atmosphere. I'm about to break through right now. Breakthrough moments happen because someone stops, pays attention to something God is doing, steps into the miracle of a moment, believing for the impossible. So he says, yes, I will dance with you. But he said, before I dance with you, I want to do one thing. He goes over, and there was an African-American man playing the fiddle. He was the equivalent of the DJ at Palladium, right? So imagine you're at a Palladium. He's scratching. He's mixing. You say, excuse me, Mr. DJ. Hold up for a second, dude. Let me grab the mic. I'm going to dance with this young lady here. But before I do, I'm going to ask God's presence to break out in this club. This This is what Peter Cartwright did. He got everybody. He said, hold up. And he's holding the young gal's hand. I just want to invoke the presence of God to come in here at this place. How many of you know there's no atmosphere there, right? How many of you understand that? He He didn't have Doug lead worship in the team. Come on, take us into the high praise of God. You, you see, sometimes, here's what revival would do. We believe that God will do things at this altar here. We'll pray for it, believe for it, that we don't believe he'll do at the water cooler, at the school, at the university. Revival is about to change that. You're going to begin to believe God to show up at your workplace, show up at Costco, show up at the mall. You're going to believe God is show up at your school, show up in your neighborhood. Come on now, show up in your transmission. Show up in your marriage so he grabs the mic invites the presence of god the young lady holding his hand she starts shaking so much girlfriend lose her weave i'm saying no no i'm kidding i'm kidding her her bun comes out the equivalent of losing her weave right she's shaking and she falls on the ground sobbing all of a sudden man the the story goes i write about this in my book the african-american dude playing the fiddle he's a dj he runs back in the kitchen he is quoted as saying lord of mercy lord of mercy lord of mercy All of a sudden, this woman, she's crying. People start sobbing. Man, Peter Cartwright preaches at this lodge dance. People give their life to the Lord. He comes back the next night, night two preaches. Come back night three. When he leaves, it is no longer a lodge. It is a church with a full congregation. So come on now, everybody's over there doing it, hey, hey, you're at the club, and all of a sudden somebody takes the mic, stops the DJ, I'm just going to invite the presence of God right now, okay? And man, all of a sudden, invite the presence of God, whoever's hand you holding, that guy or that gal, right, they just start shaking, lose their weave, melt their makeup, or whatever it is, falls to the ground, sobbing, people start crying, people throw down their drinks, girls start covering up, this is what happened you preach three straight nights it goes from the palladium club to palladium christian center oh come on all right how many of you give me 10 minutes okay if you're going to i believe be now what moses had to be you you've got a burning bush i spent a little long getting that out to you but this is what happens god gives us trajectories and then we have to learn how to walk it out. It's called a tread. Revivals or outpourings are trajectories. In other words, it causes you to rise. But if we don't know how to walk out revival, we lose it. And that's the history of revivals. I'm serious. I could, if I thought about this too long right now, I could begin to break. My heart is broken over this in writing history of how often, and let's put it in our context, how many times we've had special services where God gave us breakthroughs. You walked out of service knowing you would be forever changed. But because in that moment God poured out His Spirit, He gave us the trajectory, but we didn't understand the tread. We didn't know how to walk it out. Let me tell you, if you're going to walk out this outpouring, here's what you're going to do, and we're going to take it right from Moses. And again, starting now, I need 10 minutes. All right, you ready? What you got to do is you got to get beyond Pharaoh. Every single city has a Pharaoh. Every single region has a Pharaoh. You got a Pharaoh. There's wanting to keep a level of oppression in your life. There's wanting to keep you bound into old things, old way of thinking. Come on, somebody. I really believe that unless you do this, your dreams, because you know what? There's a temptation to take on the language of despair. There's no room for that for a child of God. Now, I got only about a dozen amens. I need to say that again slower because I talk fast when I feel the anointing. Let me slow down. There's a tendency to take on the language of despair. Let me lovingly say something to you, and I'm speaking it to me, because I am uh, equally in need of hearing this again. There is no room for the language of despair to come out of the weaponry of your mouth, which is the launching pad of the spirit. It's where you decree, it's where you declare, it's where you prophesy. There is no room for the language of despair. We're not taking on the cynicism of our world. We're taking on the hope of our king. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do I got some help over here? Do I got some help over here? Do I got some help over here? How about in this section right here? Here's what it means to get on Pharaoh. Moses comes in. He comes in with a rod. He comes in demonstrating. There is the trajectory, but now he's got to tread. Here's how to tread. Moses all of a sudden is seeing, and you can look at this in Exodus 8. But it just got finished in Exodus 8, seeing the third plague of lice. Pharaoh is saying, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to let God's people go. Do what you got to do, Moses. And Moses said, I need to sacrifice to my God. In Exodus 8, 25, here's what, Mo- here's what Pharaoh says. Catch this. This is our tread now. Pharaoh says to Moses, okay, you can sacrifice, but sacrifice here in Egypt. The trajectory is a burning bush. God's given you a burning bush. And if we will open our eyes, there'll be more burning bushes. God is in a season where he's getting our attention. He's demonstrating his power, his love. God said, Moses, Moses. There isn't two greater words that 80-year-old man could have heard than to hear his own name mentioned twice. It reminded him that God knew personally where he's at. I want you right now to hear God call your name twice. God is speaking your name. He loves you. His eye is on you. His your name is written and inscribed in the palms of his hands. Don't think, don't buy the lie of the devil that he's forgotten you. He knows your address. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your mama, your mama's mama, your daddy, your daddy's daddy. He knows the secret desires of your heart. He knows your destiny. He is working to bring that about. And Moses, Moses brought, I think Moses into a new place of revival, but now he's going to be challenged on the trajectory. He now has the tread. Here's what Pharaoh is saying. Stay here and worship or sacrifice in Egypt. What is he saying? It, It is a type of a revived life because this is what's happened. People of God are getting free. Moses is stepping into his destiny. These are the outgrowths or conclusions or outcomes of revival. But this is what you got to walk out. Pharaoh says you could be revived, but just stay in bondage. Egypt was the land of bondage, is where they got whipped. Pharaoh don't want you to go. You could be a Christian, just keep this bondage over here. You could be a Christian, just justify this other stuff that you do on the side that you don't think nobody knows about. Revival is going to deal with the secret place. Revival is going to make that plural secret places of our heart and our lives that we compartmentalize. We put this over here and this over here. Here Here's the thing that I'm seeing and I rejoice in this. There is a revival, but it is a revival of holiness. We got to walk right. We got to live our lives right. Why? Because God is coming to bless you. You don't want your hands to be filled with something else when god is about to fill your hands with the currency of heaven and the experience of man the third realm you don't want your hands filled with the 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 you know the the devil buying you off okay man you could be a christian but worship here and just do your sacrifice here in egypt and and what was moses response no 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 we're gonna have to leave egypt i'm not allowing bondage in my life this is a season to get free come on somebody god is raised up In your last several weeks of fire of his presence so we could get free you know what i believe that there are people that god wants to heal you of wounds because your oppression is tied to a wound it's not out of a bad heart it's that you've been hurt but if you don't give up your hurt the enemy in the area of your hurt he uses it as a wrestle hold to pin you down into some old oppression and you need to say right now i'm not sacrificing egypt i'm getting up out of egypt come on somebody Number two, okay, Exodus 8:28. 28. Pharaoh said, okay, you're going to leave the land, but notice what Pharaoh says to Moses now. Again, the picture, Moses wants to sacrifice to God. Worship the Lord. Pharaoh is acting under the same spirit that reoccurs whenever God pours out his spirit. It's You got to get beyond Pharaoh. Number one, worship God, but you got to stay in Egypt. Now he says, you can worship your God, but don't go too far away. Are you catching that? Exodus, y'all looking at me funny. Look at Exodus 8, 28, See this. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness only. You shall not go very far away. Intercede for me. Oh, that sounds real spiritual. Pray for me too, brother. Just don't go too far. Here, see, here is what Pharaoh is saying. The spirit of Pharaoh must be overcome it's saying okay you got out of bondage but just don't go too far in your christianity just don't go to the extreme don't go to a place of abandonment don't go to the place where he's complete lord just keep getting your blessings keep feeling good about kind of the way things are going but don't go too far how many of you know we got some folks in this house that say no to pharaoh come on somebody we got some no to pharaoh folks in the house we got some no he's saying moses don't go too far i think When God's pointing out his spirit, there's a voice that says, don't go too far away. And it tries to remind you of your past. It tries to remind you of disappointments. It tries to get you to look back at something when you need to be looking up at someone and forward to something. And he says, don't go too far away. In other words, I think in his own mind, he's thinking, okay, y'all go a little bit out. But I still got some atmosphere that's going to lift off of Egypt and follow you if you stay close. But in revival, God wants to shift atmospheres. See, you know why it's important you get a breakthrough? You get a breakthrough. I believe individual breakthroughs lead to corporate breakthroughs. You get a breakthrough, your household going to get one. Your household get one. Your block may get one. Your block may get one. Your work may get one. Your work may get one. Your city may get one. City, a region, a state. Maybe a nation can tip, but it begins with somebody saying. Here's what Moses said. He said, no, Pharaoh, we're going a three days journey. Oh, man, I, this is where I really wish I was T.D. Jakes. And I to get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. I could really preach this one. Three days, Moses was saying, I'm identifying with the resurrection life here. On the third day, he wrote. Oh. I'm going three days journey. I, I'm wondering if there's some believers that's ready to go on some three day journeys. I'm about to go third day on you now. Come on! I'm about to go third day on somebody right now. I I was just a nice Christian, but I'm about to become a dangerous Christian. Come on! I was just a good Christian, but I'm about to become an abandoned Christian. Come on, somebody! I was a reasonable Christian, but I'm about to become a revived Christian because I'm going third day on somebody. Come on, touch somebody, say third day, third day, third day, going third day on somebody. Whoo! Come on. You guys bring the preach out in people, man. Do you know that? Mm. Number three. First of all, Pharaoh says stay in the land. Number two, he said don't go too far. Now Exodus ten eight. here's what he's saying. Okay, you're going to go three days. You're going to leave the land three days away. Here's what he says there. Just leave your younger ones back. Come on. My, my brother-in-law said it. He said, oh, no. <laughs> All right, you could go to church, but don't leave no legacy for Junior. You learn to tithe and give, but you're going to let your son and daughter walk away from God because you ain't living it at home. So yeah, you could come in, but just leave your younger ones behind. Come on, I, I thank God in this house, y'all ain't leaving no younger ones behind. Come on. And the young shall lead them. We might have some young people leading us in this house. <laughs> That's not acceptable. I'm not leaving my family behind. I'm not leaving my son and daughter behind. I'm not leaving a generation behind. The revival that's coming is an intergenerational revival. Man, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, great grannies and great grandpas, sons and daughters, they are gonna all be included in this one. The devil is a liar. I'm not giving up my son destiny. I'm not giving up my daughter destiny. Come on, just look at somebody and say, we, we, that's how we roll. Come on, just tell somebody, that's, that's how we roll. Leave your younger ones behind. What he's saying is don't get a vision to impart and impact someone younger than yourself. Pharaoh's saying, I'll let you get revived. And I, I go to churches where there's no, they, they, let's say their whole budget is a, is, a, is a pie, right? The pie chart. They give just the tiniest little sliver, unlike this church, to the next generation. And I'm going, you've fallen at Pharaoh's third temptation. He's letting you go out there, but you're not impacting and imparting this generation. I thank God for your school of internship or your school of ministry here to see these awesome young. I thank God for the youth, Chris, and these other kids that are standing at Manteca High and other high schools and what's going on. I thank God for what God is doing. You're a church that not only got the trajectory, learned to tread. Last thing, and if I can get someone to come forward to a keyboard or guitar, because I took a little over 10, but I think you guys are still with Pharaoh said, you can serve and worship and stay in Egypt. Number two, he says, okay, you can leave, but just don't go too far away. Number three, he says, okay, leave your younger one behind. At every single point, Moses goes, no, 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 no. Now, this was the one that's interesting. Exodus 10, 24, Moses is told by Pharaoh, you can go. You can go three days. You can take your young people with you. But leave your cattle and your chicken and your livestock behind. I read that, and I'll be totally honest with you. When I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, that doesn't fit. You, you, you remember the old, what was that on Sesame Street? One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong, if you guess which thing is not like the other, before I finish my song, right? This is one of them things. Okay, he wants you to stay in Egypt. I can understand that. doesn't want you to go too far away. Don't go to a place of abandonment. Don't go to a place where f- you ask God to launch afresh the move of God in your heart where you feel the fire of God because God gives you a burning bush that you become a burning one. Third of all, he says, leave the younger generation behind. You're not going to do it. And now Pharaoh is slick. See, the devil starts getting sophisticated on you if you're not careful. And he said, leave your, your, your cows and your chickens and everything else behind. This was so slick by Pharaoh. Y'all watch this. Pharaoh is saying, you can go, you can go far away and you can take your children, but get this. But when you go to worship, don't take anything to sacrifice. So what would Moses be? Moses would be three days journey away. He'd have his kids. He's outside of Egypt, but he comes to the place of sacrifice. He has nothing to sacrifice. And again, I'm not saying that this isn't vital, but if you will, it's a picture of just lip service and Moses saying, I can't give God lip service. I'm coming. I don't know about you. I, in the spirit. I, I, I feel like I'm looking at some folks who's got a cow on one arm and a chicken in another. I'm coming to sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm a sacri- I, I might just drop a sacrifice in the middle of the parking lot. I might not even make it in the house of God today because I may just be out in the power. I'm, I'm coming to sacrifice. David, when he's in front of a priest and the priest offered to give David the object of sacrifice, David says something that's epic. It's historic. He says, I won't offer to God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. He says, that's not how I walk this thing out. I recognize God, your heart, and your heart for me moves me to the point where I'm willing to sacrifice. Some people have a Christianity that they never sacrifice, and I submit to you that if you have a Christianity that doesn't sacrifice, and I want to say this in love because I don't believe it applies to you, but we need to hear it afresh. I don't think that's the real thing. That's a knockoff, anemic, watered-down version. You know, I went to Hong Kong, got me a Rolex, but how many of you know when you pay 35 American dollars, it ain't no Rolex, right? The little leg fell off the R. It went from Rolex to Polex. That was probably prophetic. You know what I'm saying? Those are called knockoff watches. Revival is a revolt against watered-down, knockoff, anemic Christianity that doesn't sacrifice anything. Revival says, Lord, I'm on the altar myself. My life is a living sacrifice. It's not just I'm going to get Betsy the cow on there and I'm not going to get, you know, the little, little red rooster, chicken little, whoever you got over here. I'm going to be on the altar myself because that's, Lord, the example you gave me. I feel like right now, man, the power of God is here. I feel like right now God is calling us, and I just want us to bow our heads for a moment. I feel like right now the first thing that God wants to do, and we're we're going to uh, allow God to minister. I believe that there are going to be some signs and wonders. But I feel like right now God is knocking on the door of your heart for a fresh consecration. And I want to challenge you as you bow your heads. Get beyond Pharaoh right now. Decide right now you're not going to have a Christianity defined by bondage. You're not going to be trying to sacrifice in Egypt. Decide right now. You're not just going to go a little ways out. You're going three-day journey. You're identifying with resurrection transformation. Decide right now that, man, you might need to make decisions, sir and ma'am, that are going to affect your kids. Some of you say, well, it's too late. No, it's never too late. If you're still alive and they're still alive, I'm not saying this is true of you, but they may be in San Quentin. You may be in San Joaquinto, Texas, but let me tell you something. It's never too late because the power of God can meet that son or daughter wherever she's at as you pray wherever you're at because there's no distance in the realm of the spirit. Or the enemy may be telling you, okay, you got out of Egypt, you went three days, you got your kids, or you're at least praying and interceding for your kids. You're making life changes that will impact your kids. But don't bring nothing to sacrifice. And right now, the first piece again, and we, I repeat myself, The first piece of real estate that the Spirit of God looks for, the revival looks to land. It is a cargo plane waiting for the runway to open up, and the runway is called your heart. I want you right now. Just take a minute just before the Lord and say, God, I give you my heart. God, I give you everything. Lord, a fresh God. I give you my marriage. I give you my kids. I give you my future marriage. I'm a future kid. I give you my, 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 my years here in high school. I give you my years in college. I give you my years at work or in the neighborhood or the, my, my retirement years. Come on, just begin to declare. Let, let there be just a little whisper, a little quiet roar of you declaring to the Lord, I surrender all to you afresh. This is the makings of revival. Make no mistake about it. Lord, we surrender. We surrender, God. We give you our lives afresh, God. Jesus. Lord, we're asking that fire would fall, God. We're asking that the fire, God, you said in your word, in Isaiah 44, 3, that you would pour water on them that are thirsty. And God, we say we're thirsty. Lord, you say you pour flood on dry ground. Lord, it's been for some of us as if we've been that dry ground. We've been, we know that back lot of Midian like Moses. But Lord, we're crying for the burning bush, the trajectory that raises, it ups the notches, it ups the intensity of the fire of God in our hearts. But Lord, it's not just the trajectory, it's the tread. We got to learn how to get beyond Pharaoh. And Lord, we just pray that God, you'd help us do it. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me speak for a moment to our guests. If you're here right now and someone's brought you or you visited or it's been a long time since you've been in the house of god let me tell you you've come on a i believe a great morning not because i'm here but i just think that any morning that the lord prompts you to go and you go it is an important moment right now wherever you may be seated and wherever you may be at there is in our world today a lie that gets passed that success fulfillment and happiness is found in something other than god that's a lie It's not found in a desperate housewife's fling. It's not found in some sort of party or some sort of other thing. If looking good and having the right person holding your arm this week and having, man, the popularity where you got, you know, 1 million followers on your Twitter, if that was the ultimate, Hollywood would be nirvana. But I fly in enough airports and see enough of those tabloid magazines to find out they can be some of the most miserable people on the planet. The key to change. Everybody wants to change. The waiting lists to get into detox centers and addiction enders and, 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 and sexual addiction therapy centers are endless. But let me tell you the most simplest way to get free. It's the word repent. Now let me stop you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. No matter how much bad press repent gets, it is an awesome word. Because it is, in the essence of it, you boil it down. It is the power to change. Repentance. You repent, it cancels oppression's right to sit on you. Repent is getting up out of Egypt and saying, I got to leave this place because I got a land flowing milk and honey. I got a destiny promised to me. I'm tired of living like this. This is what hit the prodigal son. He comes to the end of his party. He comes to the end of his tweet, the end of his social network. Man, Dougie and everything else is going on. and Everybody's hollering out his name. And all of a sudden, when the money's gone, the music stopped, the girl walks back across the dance floor, he's left to himself. He's in a pig spent. And then this is the miracle I pray hits you right now. It says of the prodigal son, Luke 15. And it says, And he came to himself. That's a gift. Do you know what could happen overnight if America came to herself? It's the moment. Where all of a sudden you see clearer than you've ever seen before and you go, you know what? My lifestyle is killing me. I wasn't born to make a hurt like this. I wasn't born to abuse my body like this or be subject to this kind of ill treatment. God created me for something better. And it says, when he came to himself, he said, I will go back to the father's house. The good news of every prodigal is that they know how to get back to the father. If you're here right now, you're not right with God. You don't know if you were to die where you go. You need a certainty in a world of uncertainties and there's only one. His name is Jesus. No matter what the problem, the solution is still the same. His name is Heads bowed and eyes closed. Jesus, we welcome you by your spirit as you come. If you're here right now, you say, Sean, I'm not right with God. I need Christ. I need to come back to God or I need to, I need to give my life to the Lord because I've never given my life to the Lord. Sean, so I've never made a public profession or you're that one that says, you know what? I'm not living right. I know I'm not living right my lifestyles i know god my lifestyle my habits i know god can't bless and i need to freshly consecrate my life to the lord if you're in any of those categories this is your miracle moment the only thing that stop this moment from being the moment of your life is the pride that says you'll do it on your own those new year's resolutions die hard about this time of year if you're here now and you say sean pray with me i want this miracle i want new life tired of being made to hurt i'm ready to repent i need jesus to come and live in the throne seat of my heart if that's you wherever you're at right now do not hesitate because hesitation lets the devil think you will bargain over where you would spend eternity and the heaven that god is waiting to give you the first installment on the kingdom of god the moment you say yes if you're here now and you say i need christ i need to come to christ wherever you're at right now slip your hand up now. Just slip it up wherever you at. Say, I need to come to Christ. I need to come back to the Lord. I need to get right. If you are right, you know you're right, you're living right, you keep your hand down, but be praying for someone. But if you know in your heart, I need to come back to the Lord, I need to make him Lord, or my current activities is a classic example of I'm trying to live in Egypt and have a, 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 a Israel blessing on my life, and I got I got to get right. If that's you, wherever you're at right now, your hand is lifted up. There are many of you stand to your feet right now if that's you. Stand up. Stand up right now. Do not hesitate. You are not alone. There was a good number of people that have stood on this. Would you do me a favor and step out of your seat? Would you do that? Come on, let's keep clapping as they come. Come from all over, and I want you to come. You guys back there, come on up right across here. Would you do it? Come on, folks. I think there's a greater ovation. For people that are coming to Christ, getting right with Christ, or freshly consecrating their life. I think there's a greater ovation in us. Woo! Wow. CWC, let me look at you and smile as we begin to pray with these. They say the average church in North America sees 12 people come to know the Lord in a year. How many of you know God is heating up? He's bringing a burning bush to CWC. Correction, he has brought a burning bush. The burning bush is in our midst and has always been in the midst since the inception in the in the heart of your leader and pastor. There's always been a burning bush, but there are moments when you can just feel that flame just beginning. I feel like it's that moment. I just want to look at all of you and I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart, man, God loves you. Sometimes we make the mistake of allowing people to come up front and almost... Cause them to feel like God is mad at you. No, he's not mad at you. He wasn't really mad at you then. His heart broke for you, but he's, he's got a smile on his face. And that smile is not going to change because you've done what asked. He's, he's asked. He wants your heart. You've come forward saying, God, my heart is yours. God smiles at that. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth, Jesus, Lord, believe in our heart. God raised from the dead. We'll be saved. He did the hard part. We got to do the daily follow through on it. And that's, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And as we pray god's going to do what you've asked him to do he's going to show up right here he's going to break off of you whatever's been holding you back you're going to be new in him that's exactly what the bible says but after that this is the trajectory we got to tread we got to walk it out this if you do not have a church home this is a phenomenal church home that they will love on you and just like a trainer at a fitness club that sees that you reach your goals there are people here they're going to see that you reach those spiritual goals in christ Let's pray right now. Could we all pray together? Would you stretch your hands towards these right now? We're going to all pray. Say this from your heart. Repeat after me, but make it your prayer. Come on, let's say it. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess you, Lord of my life. I believe in my heart. God raised you from the dead. I thank you, Jesus, for calling my name. I now call your name. It's wonderful. And Lord, I make room for the king and his kingdom. And I do it by repenting. Lord, I repent. I turn away from Egypt. I turn away from selfishness and pride. Any other thing that has separated me from you. I thank you, Jesus. You are the ultimate. And Lord, I thank you that you love me. You died for me. You, Lord, smile over my life. You set me free, and I will serve you all my days in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody. Just give the Lord a mighty ovation.